0: Um, you know, actually, uh, one thing that, uh, annoys me, uh, it's one of my pet peeves is, um, you know how, like, at times when you visit certain websites, oftentimes it happens to be your financial services, you know, like the, 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 the website that you would visit to, you know, access your online, right, to access your, uh, accounts and whatnot. They overhaul, right, um, their design or their, their interface. So you, know, you have to learn to navigate right, uh, uh, the whole thing all over again. And so uh, when I come across that, I, it, it kind of bothers me. So because you know, in my mind, I'm just thinking, why can't they just leave right, that website alone? Right? And so because I'm so used to doing it certain ways right, in, in the way that it's been done before. Just by the time I'm used to it, now there's changing things around, so I have to like navigate it. Wait, where is the, 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 the account or where is the, this feature that I'm looking for? Right. I'm, basically, I'm a classic example of somebody, uh, someone who sticks with what works, what is comfortable. You know the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Basically, leave it alone, right? It may not be perfect. But don't try to improve on it, uh, on, on, on something that produces results. That's what it's really saying. If you have a procedure that has been working in the past, right, why bother changing? And that's just usually my mindset. Many of us, we don't like changes. Because oftentimes the changes may bring or it can lead to uncertain Outcomes. What we fear as human beings is we fear what we do not know. We don't. What we do not know that's some, something that we are often afraid of. Xenophobia is one such case. Or uh, I personally, I um, like when I go to like um, King's Dominion or something. The, there's the roller coaster ride that I hate the most is uh, there's, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's basically it starts from in the dark, right? And it shoots off, right? And then uh, not, not the, like this crazy, like those things. I mean, yeah, those are kind of scary, but at least you know what's coming. But when you're in the dark, you have no idea when it's going to drop, that sudden drop in things. And so that's the scariest thing for me because I just do not like uh, the fact that I don't know what's coming. What, 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 what is coming to me, right? Whatever is outside of our control makes us nervous and terrified. You should think back to your uh, getting a first job out of college or out of grad school, uh, boot camp, what have you. You don't really have any experience. You're just hoping to get a job. So you just, you know, just blast out these, um, you know, uh, uh, resumes and things, and all you have to do is simply wait. You just simply do It's completely out of your control. There's nothing m- much you can do once you submit your uh, resume, even though it may seem pretty good to you and you, th- you think you are really well qualified for the job. In the end, it's the, the people and the company that will make the decision. So things like that, it's just when things are out of our control, it makes us really nervous. But once we settle into a routine, we tend to stay with it, and oftentimes we resist change. changes. What I hear often from other pastors is when you go to a new place of ministry, one of the first things that you should, uh, the, uh, the, the thing that you should not do in your fir- first year is, to completely overhaul or to completely change everything. Just do away with all the existing programs and whatever that's been done by the previous ministry or the, the pastor, and then you start everything all over again, right? Just, oh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't believe in this. It's this not in line with my philosophy of ministry. And so you change everything, right? They say, even if you may not like it, right, don't change everything all of a sudden because people because people are used to doing it in certain ways. So if you try to change everything all, all, all at once, it may bring resistance from the people. It's in our nature to stay in our comfort zone. Where, and when we are in it, you know, we say, hey, why rock the boat? Right. I like where I am. You know, it may not be perfect, but at least I know what's coming. I know I'm, I got into this routine. and That's just in our human nature. And in today's passage, it's a story about the disciples in the boat and Jesus walking on water. Now, Jesus walking on the sea, it is something that no mortal can, can do. It demonstrates who he is. In the parallel uh, passage in Mark, there are a couple like uh, important phrases that are that is not in Matthew uh, about Jesus about to pass by, right? Um, And so it's an important um, phrase that is not here. And uh, there, it's really talking about Jesus revealing himself. So it's a it's so it's so I, I could do a whole. Uh, sermon on Theophany because um, there it really talks about Jesus uh, revealing himself as God there. And even here, the word it is I, like in Greek word, it is I am that I am, right? It's an emphatic I am that it is I here. Do not be afraid. It is I, right? Once again, it is only God when God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush is that it's I am who I am. That same uh, phrase is what Jesus is uh, using. So, I mean, there's this whole thing about uh, theophany, uh, meaning uh, the visible uh, manifestation of an invisible God, right? That, it, it, that is what's uh, really happening. Uh, but here, uh, w- w- that's a whole new s- uh, sermon thing, so I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, go into this. But here, it's clear that by Jesus walking on the, on the sea, he's demonstrating that, that, that God, uh, he is God himself. Albert Schweitzer, he's a liberal scholar in the 19th century. He actually wrote this book called The Quest for the Historical Jesus. And he basically tried to de-spiritualize um, this whole incident when he was commenting on this passage by saying that, what he said, that the explanation that he came up with is that night, it must have been really misty, right? With, all, uh, with the wind churning, churning up the water. So basically, when Jesus was uh, walking, on, uh, it was coming toward him, right? Basically, the disciples suffered an optical illusion. Wow, what an explanation, right? Or he said, Maybe more likely case was get this, that there was a sandbar, right? Hidden from the view. And basically, Jesus took advantage of the sandbar, right? Kind of walking, right? On the sandbar. And so the disciples were somehow, oh, Jesus, he's walking on the water. And he got onto the boat, right? I mean, it, it, basically, Jesus was taking advantage of that, right? That was the explanation. That these, uh, this guy uh, came up with. But as we know, there, it takes, I, I, you know, it's, it, it's, it's far easier, far more pl- plausible for us to accept and believe that God, uh, Jesus, is God Himself. Walking on the water reveals Him as God, it's indisputable. And it really points to the fact that, that His power is not like anyone else anyone else's. It points to the power of God. Here in this passage, boat symbolizes our comfort zone, something that we can't really count on. And guess what? Here really, when Jesus uh, permitted Peter to come out of the boat, Jesus is not even saying that he will, or to us, that he, he will, uh, he's not even saying that he will rock our boat. Right? He's saying, come out of the boat. So then why is Jesus? I know there are a lot of pa- uh, the sermons that have been spoken in this passage, but I want to just focus on then why. What is the purpose of Jesus calling us to get out of the boat? Why can't we just believe in Christ as we are still in our boat, with our safety net, without major disruptions to our lives? Why can we just simply just believe Jesus, right? While we kind of, uh, are, are you know, or while we have our comfort zone, our routine, right? Here is why. I have three, uh, three purposes or the reasons. The first one is because Jesus Wants to, okay, great. Jesus wants to strengthen our faith because he wants to strengthen our faith. In this passage, it starts with Jesus immediately making his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. But obviously then the question is immediately after what? What happened right before this passage is that he performed a miracle. Of feeding 5,000 men, just men only, um, not, in, uh, not counting women and children, five loaves of bread and two fish. And he fed them, right? People had their fill. And disciples witnessed an incredible miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. And they were satisfied. Their hunger was gone. They're like, oh, okay, you know how like, so, you know, I have a like, uh, hangry issue. Like I became hangry. Like, uh, but so, so their hunger is gone. The hunger pang is gone. And they're pretty feeling good because they are, uh, they are full. Their stomach is full. And they feel good about their master. Who could actually provide? It turns out that he could provide free lunch. What more would you ask? What more would you want as disciples in the first century? But Jesus made them go to the other side of the lake by boat while he dismissed the crowd. Because we know that the crowd, they're so impulsive. And when they realized Jesus has this incredible power, they wanted to make him king. Right? But Jesus had no intention of being a mob leader. So he first and most likely disciples probably joined in. If they were say, hey, let's make him king, they may have just followed uh, the, the crowd. And so he made the disciples, while they were so satisfied and felt good about the prospect of following Jesus, right, he made them go to the other side by boat while he was dismissing the crowd by himself. He strategically created a worst-case scenario for the disciples here. This is the worst place to be in verse 24. The first part, first half says, but the, uh, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. It's a long, uh, long way from the land. In the Sea of Galilee is no small lake that we may see like, around us. It's actually, the size is um, 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide. So it was no small lake. So if, you are in the middle of, in, if you're in the middle part, it would really be a long way off from anywhere. Right? Not only the worst place, but it was also the worst situation. Because once again, in the second part, it's, it's beaten by the waves. The boat was beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. It was a really the, the word that's used there is a strong wind turbulent, like a thunderstorm kind of thing. So not only they were like right in the middle part of the, the lake where they just could not simply get off the boat, but there was a, the, the, the wind was really strong. It was the worst timing as well. And in the fourth watch of the night, meaning from t- about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., right, when it's the darkest Before dawn, it was uh, not only the worst place that they were in, uh, worst situation, but was the worst timing, right? They were really exhausted from battling the storm all night. Even the seasoned fishermen, they were really exhausted from battling this unexpected wind. This is a nightmare scenario. And the only thing for these disciples, the only thing that is keeping them from drowning, is the boat. You get only picture, picture them desperately holding onto the boat so they would not get thrown overboard and drown. But you see, though, uh, what we see here is that the the Lord is not trying to make us miserable, but His intention, His purpose. Is when we are into certain difficult situations, is to strengthen our faith. Now, there are different levels of faith. There's little faith, right? A faith that thinks God can do it. That's a little faith. You are not really sure, but you think or you wish, you just hope, fingers crossed, that God will do something, that God would deliver. Growing up in the church, we heard enough uh, messages. We've been to many small groups, Bible studies, to hear what God can do. So we are conditioned to think, "Oh, I should put my trust in God." But deep inside, somehow we think, "I don't know if can really God can really do this. I don't know if God can really pull this out." So there's that, that little faith. Aspect, the, the, the level of faith, that is little faith. You, you do not completely disbelieve God or you don't believe him at all, but you have some sort of faith, very little faith, the faith that thinks God can. Then there's good faith, right? faith that knows God can. You have solid faith and know what God can do. Because you have experienced a little bit in your life. So you know that God can do this. That's a level up from the little faith. And yet there's another level of faith that is unwavering faith. Not, the, not only the faith that knows God can, but faith that knows God will do it. Right? Beyond the shadow of doubt, you just like, no matter what, I know God will do this. We see uh, one such uh, example in Daniel. The three friends of Daniel, right? Uh, When they refused to worship uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, right, he summons them, and basically, I'm going to put you guys into this fiery furnace, right? And you're going to just die there, right? Are you going to still just not worship me? The face of, like, immediate imminent death, right? Um, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, do, you, do we have this? Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the, uh, from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your out of your out of your hand, O King. But if not, be known to you, O King, that we will not serve your god, serve your gods or worship the golden image that you that you have set up. King, right? We know that God will rescue us. And even if he doesn't. Even if he does not rescue us from this, but we still have this unwavering you know, faith and a trust in God that even if we die in this uh, furnace, right, he will take us home. This is this unwavering faith. You know, when we closely examine our spiritual journey, we will see that our walk with Christ deepened when there was a lot of turmoil, when there was a lot of suffering in our lives. Think about it for a second. Think about your spiritual journey, where you are now, and where, how you got here. When do you think that you really grew in your faith? Was it when things were really smooth sailing, when you were in your comfort zone, when you know, like, things as just working out and very like you know, no issues? Or was it when it was so rocky, when it was so difficult? That the only thing that you could do was to just cry out to God God, please come to my rescue. I need you. Think about it most likely, our faith has grown as we face adversity and difficulties in our lives. Our faith so often gets strengthened when our world is caving in, when it's falling apart. Were you depending on him? Truly, when you are in the boat, in your safety net with everything, things are just working out. It is when our world gets rocked that we turn to Christ with desperation. It is when we are out of our element, when we are out of the boat, that we can see God coming to our rescue. We see the hand of God more clearly when we are really stretched to the limit. I mean, this past week was pretty tough week for me. I mean, uh, like, work-wise, there was just so many things happening. Like, you know, when it rains, it pours kind of thing. Oh, it was so tough. And then uh, there are a couple, like, family matters that I had to uh, attend to. And so this week, it was just a total blur uh, this week. I don't know how this, uh, this past week went by. I'm sure many of you guys feel that way too, but especially more so. And so that's why, like last night, like I, I, I just had it. So I was like, I begged a couple of guys, "Hey, we gotta play tennis, man. I I gotta just let some steam out." And so, yes, on Friday, Saturday night, I I, I play some tennis. I, I just had to, I had to just release some stress, right? Um, but at the same time, but throughout the week, though. I think I was really experienced and, and the presence of God in a way that I haven't because I was so desperate. Right? I was like, God, I need you to, I need your wisdom. I don't know how I can go about solving these issues at work. And it was very difficult and challenging time. But somehow, God would just give me just in a flash of, in a flash of moment, so it's just a thought comes to me. I'm like, oh, Why don't I do it this way? Something that I couldn't even think of, and then just somehow a thought comes to me, and I would just work on it, and it gets resolved. It was just like, um, you know, like when we are just out of our element because we are so desperate, right? Those are the times that we can actually really experience God and understand his work and the hand of God in our midst. That's one reason, the one purpose, why God wants us to get out of our boat. And the second reason or second purpose is because Jesus longs to see us walk on the water. Because Jesus longs to see us walk on the water. He wants us to experience God's power in our lives. Not this abstract theoretical uh, concept of God's power the real power that has raised Jesus from the dead, the resurrection power. That's what God wants, God wants us to do. But in, in order for us to ex- really experience his power, it will not be done in our comfort zone. While we are in our boat, we cannot really experience it. Here in this passage, these superstitious disciples, they were terrified when Jesus was walking on water, they said, a ghost. A ghost is coming towards us. You know, in a world where there was no CG-enhanced TV or movies, they could not believe their eyes. But even in today's, right, in today's world, if you see someone actually walking on the water, you would have this similar reaction. Right? It is wanted to see it on TV or on screen, But to see it in real, in in person, is quite another. And here, we may say what we want about Peter and his impulsive character, but he was the only one willing to get out of the boat, and he was the only human being ever, or I mean, as in like outside of Jesus, who actually walked on water even though temporarily. When Jesus said, Jesus, if it is really you, if you're not a ghost, then tell me to come to you. And at that, Jesus did not say, or Jesus didn't stop him from coming to him. Hold your horses, little fella, right? Just walking on water is reserved only for God, like me. That's not what he said. He said, come come out of the boat and start experiencing the power of God what is impossible with man is possible with God you need to experience this so while the rest of the disciples were dearly holding on to, dearly holding on to the boat their perceived security right because the only thing that they could see is wow, wind is really strong it's about to capsize so we better just hold on to the, to the boat It was their only security in their eyes. While the rest of the disciples were not let go, Peter, at least, let it go and answered Jesus' invitation. As long as we stay in the boat and hold on to it for dear life, we are not going to see God work miracles. We are not going to experience walking on water. However brief it may have been for Peter, no other disciples would have ever known what it must have been like to walk on water. Jesus calls us to walk by faith, not by sight, not what is predictable. If I put in this much input, then this is the kind of outcome that I'm going to get. What is controllable? Do not walk by faith uh, Do not walk by sight, something that you can see, something that you can control, something you can predict, something that you think you know But walk by faith in Christ. Jesus calls us to abandon our boat so that we may walk on water, so that we may experience Him in ways that we have never imagined. When I was in college, my first year in college. Uh, in the first semester, so there was a discipleship group, and so I joined. And, you know, like being a, such a proud guy, right, I thought I was pretty good, you know, just you know, Christian. But when I saw these guys, I mean, they were like, they, were, they really wanted to live for God. And it was really fresh, and it was a, it was a challenge for me. And then uh, one of the guys, uh, it was uh, uh, leading up to the Halloween time. Uh, he, uh a couple months before that, he said, hey, and I think uh, he found out that there's was this um, Korean student s- society that were planning this uh, Halloween party, right? And I said, hey, guys, why don't we just pray that, uh, that there will be a blackout, right, on this, uh, on, this, on this party? So we are like, okay, let's pray. So we, you know, at the, it's not like I had my theology or straight or, you know, just freshman in college, what do you know, right? So we we started praying and we uh, we actually believed, like I don't know what got into me, but anyways, we believed and we said, pray for a blackout on this um, uh, party that was to take place. We prayed. Every time we met, we just prayed, pray, pray for God to intervene. We knew that you know there are some immoral things that would happen, you know, in a in a party setting yeah, late at night. You know, you know you never know what's gonna happen. So we prayed that we can pass. We don't know. Uh, we don't know what happened. Mon- come Monday morning, I picked up our, I uh, picked up our, you know, the newspaper, the daily newspaper from the from the student body, and in the first page there was an article. Right? It says, uh, so there was this, um, there was a, this uh, blackout on this uh, street where it's um, there's like all these frat houses were lined up, and there's this one particular uh, road where there's this rows of like uh, fraternity houses. And um, that there was a blackout on Friday night, uh, Friday evening, like around 6 or 7 p.m. till the following day, like on 5 five a.m. So what happened, according to the article, is that there was a guy that was drunk, right? And he was on his way to a party, in one of the parties, right? But he was drunk and he just ran into this uh, pole, electricity pole. So that uh, pole happens to be the one that's distributing all the electricity to the, all of the... Uh, that the fraternity houses, that all had their plans for the Halloween party to take place, right? And uh, that organization that we prayed against, it was one of them, right? So um, we were like, okay, maybe the scope of our prayer was a little too small, right? Um, Maybe we should just dare to pray for the. But we were like, you know, we got to just, you know, just somehow pray and just like, we got to believe in God and pray for this one particular uh, house, what happened to me, so he hit the, the pole, came down, so by the time Virginia, or Dominion Power, Virginia Power back then, uh, came and just worked on it, it was until like 5 a.m., so the whole night, all of those parties were like basically, it had to be canceled. Some people may say that's a pure coincidence, right? I actually even clipped it, because I this is a reminder, because I'm not just making this up, so I, I clipped that article, right, just as a reminder Daring to pray and really believing. And instead of just saying, well, party is going to take place, oh well. Right? But to really dare to dream and to really just like put uh, trust in God and doing things that are just out of the ordinary because I've never prayed certain uh, things like that before. Right? For us to really experience the power of God, we really have to be willing to come out of the, the comfort zone, whatever that you are used to. And the third and the last reason, the purpose is because Jesus will rescue us if we sink. Why why does Jesus call us to to come out of the boat? It's because he will rescue us if we sink. When we are out of our element, we are going to feel overwhelmed. We may stumble because that's not something that we are used to. But what is assuring Is that Jesus knows, knows it better than us. Do you think that he will just leave us alone and walk away from it? As we are trying to take steps of faith, it's coming out of the boat, whatever that is, our security, and not knowing where to go, do you think he will leave us? No, he will watch over us. He will lead us and guide us. When we keep our eyes on him, we will live spirit-filled lives. But as we see here, when we, you know, take our eyes off Jesus, then we will sink just like Peter. But when we sink, Jesus saves. He has been, he saved us in the past. He is saving us, and he will save us from our situations. Getting out of the boat is only the beginning because we are to fix our eyes on Christ and take steps of faith. Peter did well to get out of the boat. He did well to walk on the water by looking squarely on Jesus. But the moment he saw the surroundings, took his eyes off Christ and started doubting, and he sank. And Jesus brought him up up out of the water. He will not abandon us. You know, we will have a lot of failures in our lives. We will have a lot of moments when we are going to doubt. But he will not forsake us like orphans. Okay, now you drown. You know, genuine faith is not these brief moments of making some bold decisions for Christ. But sustained obedience and trust in him through thick and thin. No matter what the circumstances that you, uh, you know, no matter what the circumstances, you fix your eyes on Christ. Right? True faith is not simply just like at brief moments, okay, I'm going to make these bold decisions for Christ. That's not really genuine faith. That's only the beginning part of it. Peter made a bold move on his part. But genuine, true faith consists of a continued and sustained trust and obedience to Christ. What good is your faith if you come out of the boat but cannot look at Christ continuously? Yeah, I believe in Jesus, you may claim. If you say, you know, I don't know if I if I can believe him in this case. Yeah, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I don't know if I can really just trust him in this situation because it is so important to me, or just I just need to know the results. That is your faith really genuine? True faith. There has to be this long obedience in one direction. You look at Christ, you fix your eyes on Christ, and continuously walk toward him. Even as we stumble and fall, we still fix our eyes on him, continue to trust him and walk towards him. Not just brilliant moments of like, oh, I believe in Jesus. I made some great you know, steps. Uh, like, just, uh, momentarily, I made some bold decisions for Christ. That does not constitute genuine faith. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 and 6 says this. Do we have this? No? Okay, let me find it then. <laughs> oh, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. It's not enough for us to, yeah, I know Him, I believe Him, with our lips. There has to be this trust, following Christ in every circumstance. Some people are confused that just because you made some incredible, you know, just bold decisions for Christ at that moment, so then I have faith. No. Peter did that too, but in the end, he was chided. True faith is not momentary decisions or occasions. It is this ongoing, wholehearted trust in Christ in every situation. So let me ask you, what is your boat? What and who is your security that you fall back on when the world goes haywire? What is it that you are dearly holding on to and will not let go? It can be scary and overwhelming. You would feel uncomfortable. And yet, Christ invites us to come out of the boat and start walking on the water. To really experience this part because that's the only way we can really experience it. We can say all we want. We can hear all you want. We can talk all we want unless we are willing to come out of the boat we will not really truly experience the power of God the way God has intended for us the only security that we have we are to have is Christ and Christ alone let's pray